Now, gentlemen. The defendant is not guilty. But somebody in this courtroom is. Unmitigated temerity. Okay, 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 okay. Welcome to the Okay Gatsby Season 3 To Chill a, a Mockingbird. mockingbird. <laughs> colon. There's a colon before then. It's colon before colon then. Colon before then. Sorry. Uh, retroactive colon. We're on Chapter 5. Uh, last we left our heroes, Scout had heard laughter inside the Radley house. Uh, it's. Uh, she they she got crashed in with a, a, a what was it a tire a tire she rolled into a tire and, and they've been playing the game where they act out the Radley uh, scissors incident <laughs> over and over again on the couch they uh, just can't stop doing it and that's like how silly that is it's like imagine if like you had you and your family had a big like fight and then the children across the street like. Did, re- reenacted that fight every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like a, it's a legendary domestic dispute. I mean, like it's huge. Yeah, it's the town gossip. It's the it's like le- it's legendary. It's I can't imagine gossip. living in a like a town so small that like any incident that I had could become part of the forever story of the town. Of the, yeah, <laughs> this is a thing. Yeah, that has to be dealt with. But yeah, so that's that's how it opens up. Uh, Scout had, in the last line, in a really good structuring in, in line four, had revealed that someone inside the house was laughing. Implies that Boo is aware of things that are going on. Yeah. Or at least wants to give you that sense of dread. Yeah, he's watching them. I mean, yeah, like, let this in a cliff, cliffhanger. And, uh... So it starts with, my nagging got the better of Jem eventually, as I knew it would, and to my relief, we slowed down the game for a while. Uh... So she's nervous. She's still very scared of Boo Radley. And Jem and his boy ego is like, I'm not afraid of anything. <laughs> He's a, It's so funny because Jem seems exactly as afraid, if not more than Scout, but he has these bouts of like, uh, of like, like touch it. Like when he touched the house yeah. and then he comes back and, he, and he, he, he runs past the house after that. Yeah, and a lot of it's like proving to Dill that he's not afraid. Right, He right. doesn't care if Scout thinks he's afraid. It's when we get together, that's the problem. Yes, yeah. it's when men get together, that we is, have to bother Boo Radley. That isn't <laughs> it? it's, how, it's how wars are fought. Yeah, that's yeah. what happens. That was all World War Two was. It's just <laughs> like, you don't think I'll touch the house? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll touch the house. I'm not scared. Do it then. It's a bomb. <laughs> yeah. And the Enola Gate. Yeah. Uh, so now, now that's slowing down. He still maintained, however, that Atticus hadn't said we couldn't, therefore we could, and if Atticus ever said we couldn't, Jem had thought a way around it. He would simply change the names of the characters, and then we couldn't be accused of playing anything. Very smart. Oh, uh, yeah. The lawyer's son found a loophole. <laughs> 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 yeah, that beginning of the of the movie, like, any resemblance to uh, true people, uh, coincidental or otherwise, quin- is qu- purely... <laughs> purely coincidental, yeah. Yeah. That always works. Loopholes on parents. <laughs> That's right. Uh, they really respect your mind if you can. <laughs> <laughs> so Dill and Jim are uh, are thickest thieves, and uh, yeah, they're following Jim about. So now it's just she's starting to feel lonely. This this little this chunk is so funny to me. Yeah, yeah. He had asked me early in the summer to marry him. Then he promptly forgot about it. He staked me out, marked me as his property, said I was the only girl he would ever love. Then he neglected me. I beat him up twice, but it did no good. <laughs> <laughs> I've he tried everything. Grew, <laughs> yeah, he only grew closer to Jeff. 
I beat him up. Yeah, so that's funny. such a funny little like a little kid thing, but it also it's like the seal of like, <laughs> like all right, I love you, but I gotta hang out with my boys. <laughs> <laughs> You're my girl, you know that. You're my girl, but I gotta hang with the boys. You gotta do with the boys. Uh, this also the thing about it, uh, her just just point blank saying she beat him up and didn't help. Yeah. Like I, I think uh, as we mentioned, the two different kind of narrators we have when we were dealing with Scout as a narrator, we have like woman scout and we have the uh interestingly named girl scout uh <laughs> and i think that we definitely are dealing with narrator girl scout in these next two chapters as she kind of just recounts yeah these there's there's no self-awareness of like because we'll see like every once in a while she'll pull a very sly sentence where she's being sarcastic about her surroundings yeah and this is just a straight up like a like the humor is in that she's from the perspective of of this child. She doesn't know. Yeah, she and doesn't like, know. I'll maintain his marriage to me by beating him up. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's like oh, gotcha. That's that's adorable. She did it once and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, and then he had to. Do, she did it again. Yeah, this, this, that that kind of thing was all over Catcher in the Rye. I mean, like the, the like oh, it's kind of funny how this boy is thinking, and you're uh, this is kind of funny how this girl is thinking. Yeah. So they're they're separated. Um, now, Miss Maudie is introduced. We have we seen Miss Maudie before? I don't think we have. Briefly right? mentioned as like a neighbor of like That's just it. when she's describing the boundaries of their play. So she's been hanging out with Miss Maudie more because of her separateness from Jem. Jem yeah. and uh, Dill. Right. Yeah. So uh, Miss Maudie's got a bunch of trees, and they're allowed to they're allowed to hang out and hang out in her yard and do all kinds of stuff. That was kind of their relationship before. Yeah, just the neighbor. It's like play around, just don't mess anything up. But I'm not going to yell at you. Um, which is nice. I mean, that's a good neighbor. And there's also another classic, like a Harper Lee, real quick four paragraph introduction to where you leave, like leave understanding. This is who this woman is. True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Miss Maudie hated her house. Time spent indoors was time wasted. So like, it's like, yeah, she's a plant lady. She, um, but every night five o'clock she'd take a bath and then she would <laughs> appear on the porch and reign over the street in magisterial beauty. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's a great phrase, and it's just a quick thing of like a woman who worked in the garden all day, because she's a widow, that's what she likes to do. Yeah. She gets dirty, she doesn't mind it, she wears men's overall, I think it's said. Yeah, men's coveralls. But then at 5 o'clock, she took a nice bath, made herself up nice, and just sat on the porch looking like old and beautiful and majestic. Right, so this is where and this is where Scout joins her, uh, and this is a woman who hates, uh, who loves baths and hates nutgrass, you know, so <laughs> she's... Yeah, she gets mad at nutgrass. Yeah, it's just such a, a subtle, like, portrait of just like, oh, this is a woman in my in this town, and like, I can sum her up from just these four paragraphs of her interests, her state of life, and how she interacted with me. Uh, she makes good cakes. She bakes them for for all three of them. Charles Je- Jem Finch, Scout Finch, Charles Baker Harris. That's Dill's name. Right? Yeah, I gotcha. Oh right, right, right. Names longer than him, about a foot longer. That's right. Oh, great, your name's longer than you. Gotcha. Uh, I like uh, this moment is so great. She called us all by our names, and when she grinned, she revealed two minute gold prongs clipped to her eye teeth. When I admired them and hoped I would have some eventually, she said, "Look here." With a click of her tongue, she thrust out her bridge work, a gesture of cordiality that cemented our friendship. <laughs> so she's like, look, they're dentures. <laughs> Want to see something cool? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, she asked Miss Maudie about Boo Radley. I like her um, Her point of view on Boo Radley is kind of nice. It's humanizing. Yeah. His name's Arthur. He's still alive. Do you smell my mimosa? Oh, <laughs> so she just talks about her mimosa? Yeah. It's like angel's breath this evening. Yeah. How do you know that he's still alive? <laughs> yeah. 
And then uh, what a morbid question, but I suppose a morbid subject. I know he's alive, Gene Louise, because I haven't seen him carried out yet. Maybe he died and they stuffed him up the chimney. Where did you get such a notion? That's what Jim said he thought they did. And then she says, he gets more like Jack Finch every day. So she so. is... So now we're going to get a, a quick portrait of Uncle Jack Finch. We've, yeah, we heard all we heard was that there was a guy named Jack. It's Atticus and Jack raised by their grandfather. That's all we'd heard Atticus so far. Atticus paid for his medical, so he's a doctor. That's what we know. Oh, yeah, Atticus paid for the medical. Okay. Jack Finch wants to marry Miss Maudie. Yeah, so they uh, they grew up together, and Miss Maudie obviously married someone else. Uh, Miss Maudie was the daughter of a neighboring landowner, Dr. Frank Buford. Dr. Buford's profession was medicine. His obsession was anything that grew in the ground, so he stayed poor. Uncle Jack's Uncle Jack Finch confined his passion for digging to his window boxes in Nashville and stayed rich. So Uncle Jack made the, I'm going to move to the big city, be a big doctor. And I like plants, but I'll keep them in, in my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the window, window box. Where uh, Dr. Frank Buford is like, I got to tend to this farm, and then sometimes they'll practice medicine. Right. Uh, and then he only comes around every Christmas... And he yelled across the street for Miss Monty to come marry him. <laughs> so it's a big Christmas bit is that Jack Finch comes to town, stands in the middle of the street, and yells at her to marry him. He's a rascal. And then, yeah, he's just like a fun uncle. He has no kids. He is the fun uncle. Yeah. Call a little louder, Jack Finch, and they'll hear you at the post office. I haven't heard you yet. And then and cause I was like, Jim and I thought this was a strange way to ask for a lady's hand in marriage, but then Uncle Jack was rather strange. <laughs> he said he was trying to get Miss Monty's goat that he had been trying unsuccessfully for 40 years, that he was the last person in the world Miss Monty would think about marrying, but the first person she thought about teasing, and the best defense to her was spirited offense, all of which we understand clearly. Did they understand it clearly? It's weird. Yeah, I it's think like it's a little over their heads what they he's doing. Saw, I mean, they, they see the interplay, I guess. But essentially it's like, yeah, this is like schoolyard teasing. Maybe, right. You know, maybe it's a little immature, and that's kind of the point that the narrator is making. Yeah, yeah understand like, it oh, we get it. Like, he wants to kind of embarrass her, and then she gets to embarrass him back. And it feels good to be teased by someone you like. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> but this is, so like, yeah, look, we do get it. We do get I mean, I think, um, yeah, Lee, uh, Harper Lee is very good at, uh, at like, character presentation um development i've yet to see kind of the development but like we get a clear picture of the character yeah um as they are like we know exactly the kind of lady miss maudie is she's kind of a no nonsense lady mm-hmm. um which is exemplified in her opinion towards boo radley and in her attitude towards jack finch um but like why doesn't he uh, so when scout asks um why wouldn't you stay in the house oh no, sorry why doesn't he uh Stay. The, why do you stay in the house? You know, you uh, you know the story as well as I do. I never heard why though. No one ever told me why. And then we get into religious distinctions. You know, old Mister Radley was a foot washing Baptist. That's what you are, ain't it? My shell's not that hard, child. I'm just a Baptist. Don't you all believe in foot washing? We do at home in the bathtub, which is like a great <laughs> yeah, just like line. regular foot washing. <laughs> yeah, but we can't have communion with you all. Uh, and then this is uh, this is the adult. Scout, yeah, woman scout. Apparently, deciding that it was easier to define primitive baptistry than closed communion, Miss Motti said, <laughs> "Foot washers believe anything that's pleasure is a sin. Did you know some of them came out of the woods one sun- Saturday and passed by this place and told me me and my flowers were going to hell?" <laughs> to which Dill or uh, Scout replies, "Your flowers too." <laughs> <laughs> so Scout, that's funny. The Scout said, "Your flowers too." Right. <laughs> well, you're going to hell for sure. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. They burn right with me. They thought I spent too much time in God's outdoors and not enough time inside the house reading the Bible. Uh, we had this conversation a little bit before we started recording, but I think this is like 
plays it feels like a lot a big goal of this is not to symbolically but very literally describe what it's like to live in the south and here's just a quick anecdote of like like even within religious there's like a baptist and a foot washing baptist so with like right. within the specific sect of christianity the more conservative is of that is telling the more liberal of that of a pretty conservative sect of christianity yeah, right. that their flowers are going to hell <laughs> yeah you go to hell for like enjoying your flowers for being too into the flowers the, the earthly pleasures yeah later she describes um the radleys as being as uh being too concerned with the next world that never learned how to live in this one yes um this is all so, so what, do you, what do you make of like miss maudie as a character because it seems like i mean like she's definitely taking sort of an empathetic view towards the radleys like imagine what it'd be like to be them and be that religious she does so like maybe there's something to this but she's she's is her husband died so yeah. she shares that with atticus and that a spouse has died and it's both of them seem to be similar spirit of a good natured, but the highest priority is staying out of people's business and just kind of being like good humored. Yeah, and that seems to be like yeah, that's all good through life. I'll stay out of people's business. I'll be good humored about mine. Um, I think, I think she's there. How she functions because it's weird about how she designed this book is that. It is very semi autobiographical. And like and even to the point it's where very semi autobiographical. Got it. Uh so a lot of it's like, is this supposed to represent something or is this what it was like in this town? And it just is like because more than anything doesn't seem that there's hits you in the nose symbolism like Gatsby or even right. like Catcher in the Rye. Right. And so it's hard to tell if, like, this is character is supposed to symbolize something or just this is a character she knew or wanted to make it another entertaining character to occupy Scout's world or, or and also to fit the goal of, like, this is what it's like to live in a small town in the South. There's these type of people. Yeah. I mean, like, well, this I mean, this character serves at least, like, to to bring some empathy to the Radleys. In, I mean, like, Atticus is like, leave them alone. And then Miss Maudie's like, imagine, what, imagine I'll, being I'll, that. Yeah. I'll talk about them. I'm not like I like I'm not so against pe- talking about people's business. That, like I'm not an extremist like Atticus about privacy, but right. it's like I also th- she reluctant to judge anyone, right? Except for Miss Stephanie Crawford, who she is, <laughs> <laughs> she is an enemy of. Uh, <laughs> and Cro- that's the one who had all the gossip about about the Radleys, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she. It's, she's, it's, uh, she's like just like it seems like she's like here's a good neighbor someone i can trust or at least maybe she's just saying like hey reader you could trust her like here she is being nice to this 10 year old here she is seeming to say reasonable things to say for sure uh it's a lot of establishes like don't trust stephanie crawford yeah. a lot of establishes like don't trust dill's word like he's a, 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 <laughs> like a little boy liar and even Jem is like you can't trust his like emotional inner core about what's really going on there. Right. And Atticus was like you could rely on him, but you're not going to get any gossip out of him. What do you think of the way that she takes down Stephanie Crawford by saying, uh, talking about the uh, all the you know all the all those all those things they say about about Mr. Arthur and what things? I told her all the things. Uh, and and uh, Miss Money says that is three fourths colored folks and one fourth Stephanie Crawford. <laughs> so like similar early the way um, when um, Colpernia said it was like N word talk. That yeah. was the that who was doing uh, Gem. Oh, are you talking about the the hot spots or whatever it's yeah, called? Yeah, hot. Yeah, hot rat. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, yeah. hotspots or hot something. Hotspots, Wi-Fi hotspots. <laughs> you ever walk down the road and you get a Wi-Fi hotspot? Hot spur or hot uh, spring? Hot spring. No, no, no. It's in the air, so it's like a hot take or like a no, no, no hot take. <laughs> a hot See, take. hot spot and hot take. We would we would have made a joke about it, so that's how I know it's not. I think that. hot spring might be. No, sorry. I know it's not hot spring. All right, let's see one second. I'll 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 read the next part of that while you look for it. Um, let's see. All right, here we go. Oh yeah, <laughs> Stephanie Crawford even told me once she woke up in the middle of the night and found him looking in the window at her. I said, "What did you do, Stephanie? Move over in the bed and make room for him." That shut her up for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she's anti busybody, and there's like, a beautiful like passage where Scout reflects like a very like. Like a problem that a lot of like thinking, like religious-minded people who are also sort of uh, critical thinkers is that she had never told on us, had never played cat and mouse with us. She was not at all interested in our private lives. She was our friend. How so reasonable a creature could live in peril of everlasting torment was incomprehensible. Where like it's just such a a, a sweet and like beautiful sentence of like. Like uh, of what what hell should be and what hell is and whether it's even like why it doesn't make sense for so many nice people to have to follow such specific rules. Right. So we're getting there's some yeah there's some uh, there's an analysis of southern religion. Harper Lee right Harper Lee is jumping in a little bit to offer yeah. some analysis. Yeah, and there's probably like a reason she left for New York. Like that that's part of it is like i mean i left i left the midwest and i still like the midwest but it's like oh there's something here for me that i can't get from the midwest harper yeah 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 right of course so she's looking back at the thing that she left yeah. voluntarily uh it's a hot steam kid hot steam hot steams <laughs> all right so thank you for finding that no problem um, also, I, I love the uh, my confidence in pulpit gospel lesson at the vision of Miss Maudie stewing forever in various Protestant hells. That <laughs> 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 they, they, they each get their own hell. <laughs> like, I'm in Catholic hell and Baptist hell. I'm not in Episcopalian hell, though. So, like, <laughs> that's like, no, almost no one's in Episcopalian hell. <laughs> Wait, are, are the Finches, have we learned what the Finches are? They're, ca- they're um, not Catholic. No one's Catholic. I think they there. were Methodists because that's why Scout, uh, the original guy, left. Is that they were mean to Methodists? The original guy, the original Finch, the guy who didn't was on. Oh the yeah, side of the when the, way, the, 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 the the great grandfather or whatever. Uh, yeah, let's see. Yeah, uh, who called themselves? Uh, uh, no, um, irritated by the persecution of those who called themselves Methodist. No, yeah, they're Methodist. Nice. There you go. Um. So yeah, it's like sly criticism of the uh, the religious uh, South. What do you make of the um, um, if Atticus Finch drank until he was drunk, he wouldn't be as hard as some men are at their best. Like it's like like the Bible in some man's hands is as bad as a as a bottle in the other. Yeah. So this whole thing seems like to be like a, a way to talk about religion because uh, that seems to be the the main center point. But it's just like, I mean, I know people in my family who have used religion essentially to make other people's lives worse oh yeah where and i like so yeah like the and one of them like keeps getting more and more into it it's like like i understand faith but like come on <laughs> you're like you're making things worse for yourself yeah it seems like so that's 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 kind of miss Mounty's point is that it, like uh in the wrong hands with the wrong like idea it can be damaging as damaging to the family as if someone was like a huge alcoholic yeah. in the family which i think is what her contention with the radleys right yeah like if there's 
you could be a burden to everyone if you're too religious too. Like you have to be, and like Atticus Finch is like, yeah, if he was drunk, he would be a better guy to be around and a better father and a better community member than like this, this Mr. Radley fellow is, even though he's like an insanely devout Christian. It's like, oh, his, his devotion is filling a void that's miserable. Like, it's just like I'm miserable and I want to occupy a worldview that sees miserable as misery as the highest honor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like devoted to misery. I want your flowers to burn in hell. Like that's like Right. So yeah. I th- I think it's like it's very interesting every once in a while we'll they'll have an adult that's like almost like too adult of a conversation for what is a first grader. Or yeah, I know. Yeah, of course. So yeah, a lot of this is like the adult Harper Lee being like, this is what I think about, like, Southern religion. <laughs> and she's putting it, you put it in Miss Mowdy's mouth. Yeah, who is a older woman. Yeah. Who is, a, like, a kind and respectful woman and is good to the children. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, let's see. And then there's just a quick line about Atticus being a good guy. Because I think, like, well, because Miss Mowdy said something about, like, well, you never know what people do behind closed doors, and then, and then Scout kind of defends Atticus. Atticus don't ever do anything to gem and me in the house that he don't do in the yard. Feeling it in my duty to defend my parent, uh, and then right, she assures him that Atticus Finch is the same in his house, and he is that he is in the public streets. And then she gives him, she gives her some pound cake, and uh, she goes home. Yep, it's just like a, another anecdote well told. Right, right, right. Um, exactly. Uh, these are kind of straightforward chapters. Yeah, well, these are kind of like just things kind of just happening. Things happen. And yep. we talked about this too, where it's like this is why the movie was more successful than Gatsby is that yeah. things happen on the surface. And some of them is like, yeah, this is just an entertaining scene and there's a small lesson to be learned. Yeah, show don't tell. Um, so Dylan and Jim seem to be cooking something up. And in, the, in their newfound um, ex- exclusive relationship with each other that excludes Scout, they're cooking something up and she wants to know what it is. If you stay... if you. If you if you stay, you've got to do what we tell you. Dill warned. And well, who's so high and mighty all of a sudden? If you don't say you'll do what we tell you, we ain't gonna tell you anything. You act like you grew ten inches in the night. All right, what is it? We're gonna give a note to Boo Radley. Just how? I was trying to fight down the automatic terror rising. <laughs> <laughs> it was all right for Miss Monty to talk. She was old and snug in her porch. It was different for us. <laughs> it was different for us. Like he's likely to murder children. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the po- so the plan is, yeah, use a pole to put a note in the shutters, and if and Dill is gonna be holding a bell, and if anyone came along, Dill would be ringing the bell. Now, Kev, speaking of symbolism, do you make there's something to be made? Of course, that the bell used to belong to Scout and Jem's mother. It was it was my mother's silver dinner bell. Yeah, I mean that's a good call. I didn't, I didn't catch that. Um. I mean, probably that they're asking this bell to protect them, and it's like, oh, here is a, uh, here's a thing that like my mother's spirit is gonna essentially be protecting us as we try and do this dangerous thing. Yeah. Um, but also, I think it's like, sort of the disres, kind of like the the no sacred objects for children, that it's like, oh, here's this bell. It doesn't mean anything to True. me. Um, at, at least to Dill, it's like it's oh, a play thing, like the, like the scissors or the yeah. newspaper. Yeah, it's just another non-sacred object of like uh, there is no say. Yeah, yeah, there doesn't seem to be a ton that 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 well, like you know to do with the mother that's happening here. But you know, yeah, 
keep an eye on that. It's the mother's bell. It's mentioned. Why would it be? Yeah. I mean, I guess like men don't buy dinner bells in this uh, place and time or whatever, but hey. Yeah, that's a good call. I didn't uh, know. I guess maybe, yeah, we should keep an eye out for yeah, uh, sly references to the mother. Yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> All uh, right, and we get the plan. <laughs> so basically it's another classic heist movie. It's that they have a plan, <laughs> yeah. uh, the poorly thought out plan of, of boys in the summer. And it goes wrong. Yes, and it's like, here we go. We looked yesterday, and there's a shutter loose. think maybe I could stick it on the windowsill at least. Uh, Jem. Now you're in it. You can't get out of it. You'll just stay in it, Miss Pris. <laughs> <laughs> you're in. It's like, okay, the other thing where it's like, you know the plan now. You can't back out. Yeah, we'll kill you. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to they're gonna use that. I like it. Yeah, one more, you know, poke from Scout. Uh, like, why don't you just break down the front door? You know, like. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, that's, wait, that's a little later. Yeah, we're asking him real politely to come out sometimes and tell us what he does in there, and we said we wouldn't hurt him, and we'd buy him an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being like, it's a pretty good deal. I don't know. Yeah, on the reasonable side, this is a 33-year-old man <laughs> who just is sitting in his house, and there's children who are like, come out so we can buy you ice cream. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely no ice cream in that house. Yes. You know what I mean? So, but I still think it's such a funny, uh, yeah. Funny way to present and that. And Dill, in such confidence, it's my idea. I figured if he come out and sit a spell with us, he might feel better. <laughs> That's yeah. Like they've even convinced themselves that they they're not. It's not morbid curiosity. It's like uh, we're trying we're to help him. We're trying to help him. We'll make him feel better. Our charm will cheer his day up. How you know? He, how you know he doesn't feel good? Scout says. Well, how'd you feel if you've been shut up for a hundred years with nothing but cats to eat? <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's got a beard down to here. And then, like your daddy's. He ain't got a beard. He Dill stopped as if trying to remember. Ooh. Dill caught in a lie. But it's just, they keep poking at this, which is so funny of like how like how Scout, Ruthless. How Scout who lost the mother doesn't see <laughs> like the strangeness of this. It's an absentee father, is that right? Yeah, I think it's implied he's absentee. You don't know. Because she asked, is. is he dead? And he goes, No. no. And he's and like Don't you have one? Yeah. Right. Right, right. He's like, I got a daddy. And it's like, Well where yeah, right. Where is she? But yeah, she she will poke at that. She's very vicious. She she keeps mentioning that <laughs> that Jem runs across the Bradley house any chance he gets. <laughs> right. She literally beat Dill <laughs> beat Dill <laughs> up Dill a couple up times. She yeah, didn't love physically. her <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like like well, she's poking at Dill's lies, and she mentions Dill's lies here. Dill Harris could tell the biggest ones I ever heard. Among other things, he had been in a in a mail plane seventeen <laughs> times. <laughs> he had been to Nova Scotia. He had seen an elephant. And his granddaddy was Brigadier General Joe Wheeler and left him his sword. <laughs> Seven, <laughs> been up in a mail plane 17 times. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. No, and I can see it, too, the little kid who lied about everything. Oh, yeah, we we both know that kid. Yeah, you all heard the Jimmy's E. Uh, and then the plane goes on. He's got the pole. Here's where, and then Scout goes, you know, like, uh, anybody who's brave enough to go up and touch the house hadn't ought to use a fishing pole. Why don't you not just knock down the front door? Uh, so funny. This is different. How many times do I have to tell you that? Yeah, like, she does not let anything slide. <laughs> she fights with her words. Uh, let's see here. They walk to the house. Uh, walk down anywhere. You can see around the curve. So All the plan clear. Is, the plane is already in motion. Right. So Scout's on one end, Dill's on the other end. You can hear the tense music of. And of course, it's not working out. You can see the sweat pouring down Jim's brow. He's trying to poke the 
pole. The pole lacked several inches of being it's long not enough. Working. And Jim leaned over as far as he could. I watched him making jabbing motion for so long. I abandoned my post and went to him. Can't get it off the pole, you mother. If I got it off, I can't make it stay. Gone back down the street, Scout. So, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I look back. Uh, occasionally, look back at Jim, who's patiently trying to place the note on the windowsill. It would flutter to the ground, and Jim would jab it up at, until I thought if Boo Radley ever received it, he wouldn't be able to read it. I was looking down the street when the dinner bell rang. Shoulder up, I reeled around to face Boo Radley and his bloody fangs. And instead, I saw Dill ringing the bell with all his might in Atticus's face. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, in Atticus's face, like. And then hey. Attic- <laughs> and then Atticus says, "Stop ringing that bell." <laughs> Stop ringing that bell. But also, like, from Atticus' perspective, is like, he comes over, he clearly sees Jem doing this. Doing some, yeah, mischief. Comes over, and then here's this seven-year-old boy thinking he's tricking you by ringing your <laughs> dead wife's bell in your face. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like that's not distra- is that supposed to distract him? Right? It's the signal to Jem, yeah. but, yeah, yeah, in your face. Just right in his face. Uh, let's see. So Atticus gives him a, a very clear interrogation. Jem, what were you doing? Nothing, sir. I don't want any of that. Tell me. I was, we were just trying to give something to Mr. Radley. What were you trying to give him? Just a letter. Let me see it. Jem held out a filthy, filthy piece of paper. Atticus took it and tried to read it. Why do you want Mr. Radley to come out? And Dill says, we thought he might enjoy us. And dried up when Atticus looked at him. <laughs> so he gives a withering look. <laughs> yeah, dried up. Son, I'm going to tell you something and I tell you one time. Stop tormenting that man. That goes for the other two of you. And then uh, what's interesting, I, I marked this next paragraph, is the narr- the narrator kind of takes on um, at least the ideas of Atticus. Are you mm. seeing? Like what Mr. Redley did was his own business. If he wanted to come out, he would. If he wanted to stay inside his own house, he had the right to stay inside, stay inside free from the attentions of inquisitive children which was a mild term for the likes of us so this is all like this is almost an Atticus's voice yeah but it's not quoted it, yeah it's it's just, it seems like it's summarizing Atticus but it summarizes it in a way that like like the adult is like yeah these are fair points like I this is the truth yeah so um, I mean yeah, I'm not I, I, I guess I can assume it's it's this kind of I mean it could be Girl Scout I guess and um, she has you can you can you can infer that she's entirely uh, taken on Atticus's logic, and she's totally mm. she's like she totally you know has learned her lesson. Yeah, and yeah, just a big old summary of their um, like even like how would we like it if Atticus barged in on us without knocking when we were in our rooms at night? We were in effect doing the same thing to Mister Radley. So like this logical lawyery argument yeah. that Atticus gives them for as why they're do- what they're doing is wrong. Uh, Mr. Radley did seem might seem particular to, peculiar to us, but it did not seem peculiar to him. Uh, and then, furthermore, it had never occurred to us that the civil way to communicate with another being was by the front door instead of a side window. Uh, lastly, we were to stay away from that house until we were invited there, or we were not to play an asinine game he had seen us playing or make fun of anybody on the street or in this town. Boom. The lawyer gauntlet has been thrown down. Oh, yeah. And he pulls this. Well, Jim goes, we weren't making fun of him. We weren't laughing at him. We were just... So that was what you were doing, wasn't it? Making fun of him? No. Putting his life's history on display for the edification of the neighborhood? I didn't say we were doing that. I didn't say it. You just told me. You stop this nonsense right now, every one of you. You want to be a lawyer, don't you? <laughs> and as he, Our father's mouth was especially firm as if we were trying to hold it in line. Uh, and then Jeb, Jeb came, gave up. 
So yeah, I think his point is like you just screwed up by saying that that's um, we weren't just denying one part of that. Only denying one part of it. That was the other, and then yeah, Scout refers to an old lawyer trick. He had been done in by the oldest lawyer's trick on record. He waited a respectable distance from the front steps, watched Atticus leave the house and walk toward him. When Atticus was out of earshot, Jim yelled after him. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, but I ain't so sure now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you think it's wait? Is Je, is this? That's not Jem admitting that he's bad at it, right? That was Jem admitting. That was Jem. Jem saying a that poke. we weren't making fun of him, like or. Oh, but this last line. Oh. This is is this is this Jem admitting that that he was bad at the lawyerly thing, or is this Jem saying I hate you? Yeah, I think it's just simple, like teenage boy. I'm like you get owned by your father, and you're yeah. like. And you're like, oh yeah, well, he waited till he was after your shot. It's exactly. like, uh, screw you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be like you. I don't want to be a lawyer like you, even though you just owned me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just classic. That's that's a big theme. Of this is father and son stuff. And this yeah. this last part is like it ends in a big old like Cat Stevens father and son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, get ready. Strap in if you're not ready for the, some father son stuff. Yeah, we're seeing the, we're seeing some gem. So the relationships are changing. Yeah, the gem I mean, the the gem scout relationship changed. The dill scout relationship changed. Gem and dill became closer, and now gem and Atticus are having sort of a thing. Yeah, well, scout's still at the age where not causing trouble is is you don't cause trouble because yeah. you don't want to get in trouble. You just don't. And gem is starting to get old enough. It's like I want things enough that it's worth trying to get away with it. Yeah, well, yeah, we're gonna see some some serious uh, that that schism sort of uh, start to really separate here in chapter six. Dill's last night in Maycomb. That's right. Uh, yes, said our father when Jem asked him if we could go over and sit by Miss Rachel's fish pool with Dill, as this was his last night in Maycomb. Tell him so long for me, and we'll see him next summer. So they go over there. Yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just some entry stuff, and they're being weird. What's up with the moon? Um, <laughs> the moon makes it seem hotter. Cross in it tonight. Dill was not looking up. He was constructing a cigarette from newspaper <laughs> and string. <laughs> First of all, if you're using string, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, string <laughs> should not be involved. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a lady. Don't like that thing. So I think it's just kind of like shapes in the moon thing. Yeah, they're looking at shapes. There's yeah. a lady in the moon in Maycomb. She sat at a dresser combing her hair. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, yes. look, I mean, it's not. There can't be that much detail in the moon, but there it's it is. It's like a, a damn Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Half, of this, <laughs> half of this book is just like, oh, ain't that kitschy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a damn cracker barrel. Uh, yeah. Mr. Avery sat on the porch every night until... No- so this was funny. I think it's implying that Mr. Avery took a big pee off his porch. Because he goes, Mr. Avery boarded across the street from Mrs. Henry Lafayette Dubois' house. Besides making change on the in the collection plate every Sunday, Mr. Avery sat on the porch every night until 9 o'clock and sneezed. One evening, we were privileged to witness a performance by him which seemed to have been as positive as the last, for he never did it again so long as we watched. Jim and I were leaving Miss Rachel's front office one night when Dill stopped his golly look yonder. Pointing across the street, at first we saw nothing but a kudzu-covered front porch, but a closer inspection revealed an arc of water descending from the leaves and splashing in the yellow circle of of the streetlight, some ten feet from source to earth. Seemed to us. Jem said Mr. Avery misfigured. Dill said he must have drank a gallon a day, and the ensuing contest to determine relative distances and respective prowess only made me feel left out again, <laughs> as I was untalented in this area. <laughs> oh, yeah, good. Okay, right. Yeah, there. It's a sly reference to pee. Yeah. Because I think she was like, "Yeah, oh, that's sneezing," and then it's like one night they saw, uh, like, "Oh, look at that," and it's like, because I can't think of anything else that would be 
no. A no sneeze would be so intense that it would look like a stream of water. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, I don't think she thinks that the peeing is sneezing, though, right? At first, it's nothing but a kuzu covered front porch. Arc of water descending from the leaves and splashing in yellow circle in the streetlight, some 10 feet from the source to earth. It seemed to us, Jem and Mr. Avery, Jem said Mr. Avery misfigured. Dill said he must drink a gallon a day. Misfigured maybe watering the plants? May I think it just means that like Kuzu? he didn't realize how far he was going okay. to make it public. Yeah, okay. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> but I, I'm just confused because in the beginning it starts with like, he missed Avery sat on the porch every night until 9 o'clock and sneezed. Sneezed, right. So that's the beginning of the chapter, right. I mean, I think it's like it's like so southernly polite that it's to the point of like almost signify, not even yeah. signifying what they want. Yeah, yeah. It's like but essentially, so Mr. Avery took a big pee off his porch. Yeah, and then Jim and Dill were like, "Oh, dude, I could do that. I thought I could go that far." <laughs> <laughs> a contest to determine relative distance and respective prowess, only to make only made me feel left out again, as I was untalented in this area. Yeah, so polite about like I can't, I can't pick where I pee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And like even, but in 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 the reference to it, even it's almost like it's so coded as to like we're barely like wait oh it's peeing it's yeah. so yeah and I was hoping I was like maybe this is wrong like I, it, that's how polite it is right like, maybe I just got it wrong entirely fooled almost yeah and this is I love this part of of just such a such a rascal move of Dill stretched yawn and said altogether too casually I know what let's go for a walk. <laughs> 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 he sounded fishy to me. No one in Maycomb just went for a walk. <laughs> of course. It's absurd, yeah. The whole town is like, can't even conceive of like, oh, I'll just stroll around. What's your game here? <laughs> Where to, Dill? Dill jer- jerked his head in a southerly direction. Okay. And then she protested and he said, you don't have to come along, Angel May. So again, it's like, either I go against my morals or I get left out. Yeah, exactly. If you're in, you're in. If you're out, you're by yourself. Yeah. Uh, neither of them are pleasant to her, but she'd rather be in. Exactly. Scout, we ain't going to do anything. We just go into the streetlight and back. And Bull this is, honky. yeah, this is such a great. Uh, Jim was not one to dwell on past defeats. It seemed the only message she got from Atticus was insight into the art of cross examination. <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, oh, that's how I got caught. So I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're, yes, we're getting a pretty good uh, portrait of boyhood as well. Because, like, yeah, the way Jim is acting is very boyish yeah. and, like, of, you know, of his age. A young, a young, um, young man. Yeah. Why don't you go on home scout? What's she gonna do? Uh, and then it's just the plan again. That's another anecdote set up with these boys have a plan, and let's see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. This is just another another s- similar story. Dylan and Jim were simply going to peep in the window with the loose shutter to see if they could get a look at Boo Radley. And if I didn't want to go with them, I could go straight home and keep my fat floppy mouth shut. That was all. <laughs> <laughs> And then she makes, well, what in Sam Holy Hill did you wait till tonight? And then he makes a pretty good argument because nobody could see them at night because Atticus would be so deep in a book he wouldn't hear the kingdom coming because if Boo Radley killed them, they'd miss school instead of vacation and because it was easier to see inside a dark house in the dark than in the daytime. Did I understand? <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah, those are good points. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, and once again, I just noticed the one, I mean, once again, that is Jem's, this is this is Jem's explanation and it's in a narrative paragraph, but it's obviously Jem's words. Yeah. Um, this guy's kind of just repeating. I love the thing about not, if I could been killed and uh, yeah. missing school instead of vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, if I'm going to die, I'd rather die that now then like you're gonna kill me <laughs> wait till labor day yeah then we'll die <laughs> labor day we die yeah um i once once more yeah shut your trap or go home and then there's this line which is the biggest burn of all i declare to the lord you're getting more like a girl every day yep and it's like dang 
You, you can't say that to a tomboy. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, she can't handle it. Because she says, with that, I had no option but to join them. Yep. Like, it's like such a terrible insult to be a girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, we thought it was best. So here they're going to go under the wire, high wire fence at the rear of the Radley lot. Uh, and then let's see. They hold up the bottom wire. Don't make a sound. So this is it. They're sneaking through the backyard. Yep. They're going to the they're going to the gate. The gate squeaked. They all spit on it until their mouths <laughs> are dry. And then, then all of a sudden they're in the backyard. The back of the Radley house was less inviting than the front. A ramshackle porch ran the width of the house. There were two doors and two dark windows between the doors. Instead of a column, a rough two-by-four supported one end of the roof. An old Franklin stove sat in the corner of the porch. Above it, a hat rack mirror caught the moon and shone eerily. So just like a lot of time spent in like this is a rundown house and this is a particularly scary. Like she wants to set the tone of like this is a really scary thing they're doing for yeah. these for the children. And then another obstacle. It's like a dang Ocean's Eleven. Like <laughs> what's the matter? Chickens. <laughs> so now there's chickens running oh, around. No, chicken. I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> All I want to do is look at a ghost. <laughs> I'm one day away from retirement. <laughs> I'm one day away from school starting. <laughs> I guess I could die now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so intense that we would be obliged to dodge the unseen from all directions was confirmed when Dale ahead of us spelled G-O-D in a whisper. <laughs> so they're swearing. They're like spitting. Yeah, they're really, they're, they're kind of growing up. Maybe this is this is a coming of age kind of thing, right? They're yeah. growing up while they're dealing with oh, this crazy definitely. unknown. It's, yeah. a, it's a big, it's a big moment. Especially what Jim does, right? We'll see what, yeah, with, with Jim, uh, he has a moment. Uh, um, Jim so grabbed his left wrist and my ri- I grabbed my left wrist and Jim's right wrist we crouched and Dill sat in our saddle we raised him and caught the windowsill okay so they c- he can't see anything and then they're like alright let's get out of here go around and back again uh, let's try the back one no Dill no I said Dill stopped and let Jim go ahead when Jim put his foot on the bottom step the step squeaked he stood still and then tried his weight by degrees the step was silent Jim skipped two steps, put his foot on the porch, heaved himself to it, and teetered along a moment. He regained his balance and dropped to his knees. He crawled to the window, raised his head, and looked in. He's on the back porch. This is a kid who's afraid to touch the front of the house. Yes. He's now standing. He's he's he's, he's basically in the house. You're on the porch looking through the window. You're, you're right there. And then in perfect suspense novel, then I saw the shadow. It was the shadow of a man with a hat on. At first, I thought it was a tree, but there was no wind blowing, and tree trunks never walked. <laughs> That's great. That's a great line. The back porch w- was bathed in moonlight, and the shadow, Crispus Toast, moved across the porch toward Jim. And that's such a uh, that's such a southern like little simile, but it's like yeah, they, 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 toast bi- toast is Chris, and I Crispus can see the toast. shadow, shadow <laughs> being toast. that outlined. Yeah. <laughs> Dill saw it next. He put his hands to his face. So this is like a. What's it? Alfred Hitchcock moment. Right. Of like everyone realizing. <laughs> yeah, you see the characters seeing it. And it's even worse, right? So. When it crossed Jim, Jim saw it. He put his arms over his head and went rigid. So he just is preparing to get to die. That's what he's doing. Yeah. The shadow stopped about a foot beyond Jim. Its arm came out from its side, dropped, and was still. Then it turned and moved back across Jim, walked along the porch and off the side of the house, returning as it had come. So that was just like a really tense like moment of like the children like I hope we don't get seen yep. on the porch. Jim leaped off the porch and galloped towards us. He flung open the gate. Dan still and me through, and which is such a nice little gentleman moment of like get go 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 go, 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 go. go. and shoot us between rows of swishing collars. Halfway through the collars, I tripped. As I tripped, the roar of a shotgun shattered the neighborhood. 
Dylan Jim dived beside me. Jim's breath came in sobs. Fence by the schoolyard. Hurry, scouts. So they go back to the same fence that they came in through, the one that they have to hold up. Um, so Jim holds it up for the other two, and he goes, he goes through last. And then we, when we sensed that Jim was not with us, we ran back and found him struggling in the fence, kicking his pants off to get loose. He ran to the oak tree in his shorts. No pants. No pants. He got. He's got to get home. So they and then they they uh, safely behind it. We gave way to numbness, but Jim's mind was racing. We got to get home. They'll miss us. Yep. Which is like, what a, like not a lot has like overarching plot has been established yet, but like what a, a great individual scene, of like tension built. Yeah. Fear built, and then just like scram like every yeah. moment it is like a, in a, a literary novel a heart pounding scene. Exactly. This kind of action was found. Almost nowhere in Gatsby or Catcher, right? Yeah. I mean, like, the things, the, 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 what it's lacking in, like, musings and symbolism and uh, kind of, like, you know, points about the human condition, I guess, like, like, yeah. like uh, direct points. It's, like, making up for in, like, really, really, like, breakneck plot. Yeah. Exciting writing. Exciting moments. Yeah, moments. It's, it definitely seems like she is interested in entertaining you. Right. She wants to create suspense. She wants to create humor. She, like... She has a mission of pointing, painting this portrait of this town and eventually painting a portrait of uh, the racial injustice in, in the court systems. Yeah. Are we not entertained? We are. Yes. Uh, we are. But she is are taking we? her time to make you love the characters so you <clears throat> care what happens to them. Yeah. So right away, there's a group of people right up at the Radley's front gate. And uh, Jem says, we better go down there. They'll think it's funny if we don't show up. So they just ease into the circle as if nothing <laughs> happened. Oh, what happened over there? That was pretty scary. What's going on? What seems to be on oh, the commotion? Oh, no. What was, uh, was, that a, was that a loud bird? Or? We were just going for a walk. Uh, uh, no one goes for walks. What happened, asked Jim. <laughs> so literally, he goes, what happened? <laughs> Mr. Radley shot at a Negro in his collared patch. Oh, did he hit him? <laughs> no. Shot in the air. Scared him pale, though. Says if anybody sees a white N-word around, that's the one. Says he's got the other barrel waiting for the next sound he hears in that patch. And next time, he won't aim high. Be it dog, N-word, or gem. Finch. And that's a little clever little piece of oh, gotcha. uh, almost or, sit, or said sitcom writing of like she notices now that Jem Finch has no pants on. Right. Uh, but it's such a little clever little. Yeah, this is like a 60s sitcom. She didn't mean to say Jem Finch then. She's noticing his, his he had no pants. Or Jem yes. Finch. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Where's your pants, son? Atticus asked, pretty reasonable question. Pants, sir? <laughs> yeah, his, his response is, pants? <laughs> That's such a, a, a That's little boy move when it's like... Oh, let me play it cool. <laughs> oh, everyone's got everyone's got to wear pants all the time now. That's the that's the big. Why why are you guys wearing pants? Why are you wearing? It's hot <laughs> out, isn't it? Hot out. I think you guys are weird. I like so. Yeah, pants, sir. And he, he he just goes pants, <laughs> pants. Period. Pants. <laughs> uh, it was no use in the shorts before God and everybody. I sighed. Uh, Mr. Finch. Oh, nice. Here comes Dill with his legendary Dill, lies. Dill, the famous liars. Yeah. What is it, Dill? Asked Atticus. Uh, I won them from him, he said vaguely. Won them? <laughs> How? We were playing strip poker up yonder by the fish pool. Jim and I relaxed. The neighbors seemed satisfied. They all stiffened. <laughs> but what was strip poker? That's all <laughs> So that's like, that's Girl Scout. That's perfect. Yeah. But what was strip poker? We had no chance to find out. Miss Rachel went off like the town fire siren. Do Jesus, Dill Harris. Gambled by my fish pool. I'll strip poker you, sir. Just a minute, Miss Rachel, Atticus said. 
I'd never heard of him doing that before. W- were you all playing cards? Jim fielded Dill Sly with his eyes shut. That's such a great little like the 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 idioms that Oh, fielded Dill's fly. Right, that's so short. Such a short little idiom yeah. they use, but it's like so beautiful. No sir, just with matches. I admired my brother. Matches were dangerous, but cards were fatal. It is kind of nice when it's a lie really works. Yeah, <laughs> nice work, I yeah. still have appreciation for like of trying to get away with things. Like that was a good excuse. <laughs> just bad enough. Yeah, right. It's like it's it doesn't sound like the one you'd pick if you were lying. Yes. Pick, yeah. Exactly. You, you do something that matches. would get you in trouble, but not all the trouble. Exactly. Okay, I, I cards are really bad because they're for gambling. Yeah, I mean, this is the 30s when gambling was still like a whole big old thing. And right. when we just had the Baptist chapter where everyone was mad. Right, so gambling is sin, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I don't want to hear of poker any form again. Go buy Dills and get your pants, Jim. Settle it yourselves. Don't worry, Dill. She ain't going to get you. He'll talk her out of it. That was fast thinking, son. Listen, you hear? So like, and he was like, yeah, that was really fast thinking yeah. <laughs> to explain why Jim had no pants after a shotgun went off. And then Atticus is talking to the neighbors. Not serious. They all go through it, Miss Rachel. So it's like, Atticus is like, it's not your fault that y- your fish pool didn't, you know, like yeah. convince yeah. them to sin. Yeah, you aren't failing as an ant. <laughs> so it's so funny. So like, yeah, they're in trouble for this thing that they made up. Yes. This is an interesting point. Um, and so Atticus makes is telling Jen, go, go, go to Dill's where your pants obviously are. Go get them and bring yeah. them back. Yeah. And Dill's like, I'll give you some of mine. But he's like a three foot tall guy. It's like, this is not going to work. Uh, and then this is great. Dill says goodbye. We said goodbye, and Dill went inside the house. He evidently remembered he was engaged to me, for he ran back out and kissed me swiftly in front of Jem. Y'all right here? He bawled after us. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I married her. I'm going to marry her. <laughs> better give her a kiss before he don't see her for nine months. <laughs> yeah. Um. So they are – so at this point, yeah, Jem and Scout are both worried. They're not sleeping. Um. Yeah. That's such a great. Had Jem's pants been safely on him, we would not have slept much anyway. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're scared. They're scared outside of their of the thing with their father. They're scared about the Radleys. Um, so uh, Jem wakes her w- wakes her up by saying, "Sleep, little three eyes." Oh yeah, sleep, little three. Are, are you crazy? Shh, Atticus lights out. I'm going after him. You can't. I won't let you. I've got to. You do, and I'll wake up Atticus. You do, and I'll kill you. Mr. Uh, Nathan's going to find him in the morning. And, and oh, no, oh, Mr. Nathan's going <laughs> to find him in the morning, Jem. He knows you lost him. When he shows him to Atticus, it'll be pretty bad. That's all there is to it. Going back to bed. That's what I know. That's why I'm going after him. Uh, let's see. So, uh, look, it ain't worth it, Jem. A licking hurts, but it doesn't last. You'll get your head shot off, Jem. Please. I, it's like this, Scout. Atticus ain't ever whipped me but since I can remember. remember, remember. I want to keep it that way. You mean he's never caught you at anything? Maybe so, but I just want to keep it that way, Scout. We shouldn't have done that tonight, Scout. It uh, was then, I. this is like, this to me is uh, it's so interesting. It was then, I suppose, that Jem and I first began to part company. Sometimes I did not understand him, but any periods of bewilderment were short-lived. This was beyond me. Please, can't you just think about it for a minute by yourself on that place? Shut up. It's not like he'd never speak to you again or something. I'm going to wake him up, Jem. I swear I am. Right. Then I'm going with you. Yeah. Then I'm no. Oh, then I'm going with you. <laughs> we we screwed that up so bad. Yeah. It's hard to. Uh, then I'm going with you. No, you ain't. You'll just make noise. Yeah. So this is where like the yeah, um this is where well first of all we get we get we do get a little perspective from adult scout there right like is that like like 
it was then then I suppose that Gemini first began to part company. So it's like I don't understand. I cannot relate to any part of exactly. This. So it's like because she's not a little boy dealing with her father, she's a little girl dealing with her father, or like yeah. you know, and also and also Gem is older and he's at the, at the more rebellious stage. Yes. Where he sees Atticus as more of like he's starting to see, seems more of a rival. You know, he's starting to be like, I'm a man, you're a man. Yes, and it it's like it's fundamentally important to him that Atticus does not beat him. Yeah, because that would be a step back from everything he'd been trying to achieve. Right. It would like I think there's he's a lot of, as much as he's a rival, he does have a lot of respect for Atticus. Yeah. Because he wants to be a lawyer, uh, and. He does have like a, a sense of like even just like the father like you don't want to disappoint your father. <laughs> no, I mean no, and this is like a particular case though too where it's like I don't want to have my father like discover that I lied to him to his face and then also disobeyed him when he told me very specifically not to bother. Exactly. Uh, and it's just a big like it's so important to him that he's willing to die over it. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah he's willing to risk. Right, he knows what will happen if he does nothing, which he'll just get a beating from his father. Yeah, but to to avoid that, that known, he's willing to go with the unknown of I don't know what's going to happen if I go to the Radleys right now. But like, I I need to not be beat by my father. Yeah, like he's he'd rather take a ten percent twenty percent chance of getting shot and killed mm. to a hundred percent chance of getting beaten by his father, <laughs> and that. To scout makes no sense. Yeah, because because I think that is that's the testosterone starting to flow through Jim right there. I think is the yeah. that's something. It's like almost I don't want I don't know like it's it's very male. And then her also her sense like he'll talk to you again like it's like yeah. that's it's gonna be different though you don't understand it's how he'll talk to me will be different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like this it's a father son relationship thing that's happening. Yeah, and it's it's trying to be seen from the eyes of the younger sister trying to understand a. Who, who I think it was fifth grade. He's probably he's heading to the sixth grade now. He's probably 11. like eleven or yeah. so. Uh, yeah, it's like a it's a really heavy moment through the eyes of someone who doesn't understand it all. <laughs> yeah, right. So right, what I uh, and I give Harper Lee credit for not being like, well, clearly Jem was going through a bit of a uh, coming of age moment where he's yeah. challenging his father for the first time. Yes. Um. Right. It's we do still see it through Scout's eyes where she's like, I he this guy's acting crazy. Yes. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, and it's also this is the first time like this is a direct like order disobeying. It's not even yes. like we're kind of doing something that we don't want him to find out about. He already found out about it, and now he's doing it again. Yeah, and so like this is the first major challenge, and it went so bad. And he's like, I can't have have him have this evidence against me. <laughs> it will never be the same, and will never, <laughs> and I'll never be able to. <laughs> right, we have to so we have to consider like how yeah this like this is why is this so important? In what way is this important? And it's like yeah. it's because of their relation, their fundamental relationship. Yeah, and then he and then he's off, and then she watched him go, and then she's just sitting there nervous. And this is like also like really like, I could picture this like a little sister waiting to know if her brother died. She's literally waiting to yeah. I I I, it was time to worry and listened. I waited until it was time to worry and listened for Mister Radley's shotgun. So he's listening for a shot. She's listening for a shotgun fire. Yeah. yeah. Then I heard Atticus cough. I held my breath. Sometimes when we made a midnight pilgrimage to the bathroom, we would find him reading. He said he often woke up during the night, checked on us, and read himself back to sleep. I waited for his light to go on. Straining my eyes to see if the flood in the hall had stayed off, and I breathed again. Uh, the night crawlers had retired, but ripe china berries drummed on the roof when the wind stirred, and the darkness was desolate with the barking of distant dogs. This is a beautiful paragraph. I actually highlighted this one, even though it's just kind of a standard yeah. narrative paragraph. It's like 
she's listening and so the narration is all sounds yeah. this is all different sounds that you hear at night barry's hitting the roof right barry's distant dog barking yeah. she's listening so intently that all she can think to describe to us about what's happening right now is distant quiet sounds yeah that's yeah very central uh literally central yeah. uh paragraph and then this is this is beautiful there he was returning to me his white shirt bobbed over the back fence and slowly grew larger he came up the back steps, latched the door behind him, and sat on his cot. Wordlessly, he held up his pants. <laughs> he lay down, and for a while, I heard his cot trembling. Soon he was still. I did not hear him stir again. Wow. So, yeah, this is like your point is uh, is being reinforced over and over again, where it's like we are just being shown these, these really incredible points. Like we literally... Um, his cot trembled for a while, and then he and then still as he went to sleep. So like Jem is scared so much by what he just did. Yeah, well, like F. Scott Fitzgerald would say, trembling under the weight of impro- approaching manhood or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, the, the editorializing of it, but instead it just presented as like, yeah, this kid, this kid was was shivering. Holds up his pants, like <laughs> here is the tr- here is the prize I won, and it's not his pants. This is symbolism of like this is me maintaining my relationship with yeah, Angus. Exactly, and also like maintaining my individualism as a as a man. Yeah. Like I like I am a man. I exerted my will on the world. Yeah. And then he trembles in his bed. They don't say anything to each other. There's yeah. not like, oh my God, how'd it go? It's just like, here we go. I'm going to try and fall asleep and I'm going to tremble until I do. Yeah. I was brave and I'm so scared by that <laughs> yeah. that I could barely sleep. Just an act of pure, pure bravery to maintain the illusion of I'm a so father afraid. and son getting along. <laughs> yeah. So afraid. Uh, so like, yeah, it's all, it's all show and it's all very purposely like, I don't, uh, like I do not understand how other people see it, but I'm relatively fair about what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, and then it's kind of like the three poles of like, there's uh, Nick Carraway who understands everything. There's Holden who on, barely understands himself, right? But is not shy about saying everything he's feeling. Yeah, Holden, who's like, yeah, he, yeah, Holden would make points, and he seems that he thinks he understands things. And, yeah, there would be like a page long about like you got to get the pants because then my dad's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you gotta understand is these are pants. Right, right, right. Yeah. And this was like literally it's like you don't understand. I'm going to keep it this way. It doesn't explain why he has to keep yeah. it that way, and and it's like, and it's just like. A narrator of like I I only I have a limited perspective, so everything has to be implied. Yeah, yeah, a lot of implication. It's really it's really incredible. I mean, uh, and it like opens for like it's good for this podcast because we can argue about stuff. Of like, yeah, what it was what was it being implied here? What's going on behind there? Right, there's nothing being explicitly stated. Yeah. Um, a lot a lot a lot to read into, and it's like in in, in yeah the we are reading into described plot as opposed to uh, statements made about <laughs> yeah. the human condition or growing up or whatever. Because with Holden, it was easy to track of like, oh, he's either telling the truth or he's lying. So there was that binary in on everything he said. Like, yeah. he's either right or wrong. And like, oh, sometimes it's very clear to see he's wrong and for what reason. Or he's not telling us stuff. But here it's like, Scout has is has the honesty of a child who has no reason to lie, and but also it doesn't have sort of the, the, the life experience to editorialize and guess what people are feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a great it's an interesting narration, and then yeah, and through that we got a lot of cool stuff happened. Yeah, this chapter today. was so intense. Yeah, this was like a real like out of all the chapter, maybe the Marie the Maurice fight was more intense. Maybe, but I don't know. Oh, and then there was all the maybe the 
the cart, the driving home and Gatsby, but like this was this is six chapters in. Yeah, and um, also I think Harper Lee is better at it than both of them in terms of like the yeah the beat by beat, moment by moment, like how yeah, it's feeling when the action is very important to the story. I feel like with with uh with Gatsby and with Catcher, it's like they were those things that happened were already over and being considered. Yes, by the time we understood what was happening, they're great considerers. Yeah, they're <laughs> they are considering. Whereas we're kept in the moment here with Scout with Harper Lee. I mean, yes. like it's. She keeps you sweating in the moment yeah. for a long time. It's really, it's really a remarkable piece, and and like I, we've been saying, like we have not been introduced. We're not af- out of Act One in the movie yet. Like there hasn't been yeah. a big moment where like this is what the book's about. These are just like character portraits and little fun adventures that paint like a portrait of life. Stage is being set. Yeah, like we're just yeah, like the we're just trying to we're just getting into you know character and stage and seeing what's happening yeah. in this town. And she's really taking her time with setting it up. Yeah, I know. We were like another like modern novels probably would put like the the year of the big case, and you'd be like, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know there's going to be a case yet. I mean, like we're on page sixty two of or at least I am of you know almost three hundred pages. So we are maybe a fifth of the way, twenty percent in. Yeah. You know? So we should be getting something, but we get, I mean, there's some racial stuff, I guess, you know, like the, the, yeah, like the only real drama is like, Hey, we want to see Boo Radley and we can't. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious to see how that develops into something bigger. How, I mean, like every chapter we've gotten a little bit, we, the scope is widened a little bit in terms of the neighbors and the, and the characters and, and the things that do. And uh, the relationships are being stretched a little bit. Uh, we kind of know what they're supposed to be and they're stretching to different mm. lengths. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. What, I don't know what's gonna happen quite next. I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, and that's good writing that you want to keep reading, even yeah. though there hasn't been any sort of concrete. Uh, the big, the big bomb hasn't gone off. Yeah, but the Radleys. The, I mean, the Radley situation is ratcheting up, where it's getting more and more tense, and uh, they're getting more and more brazen about yeah poking that bear. Yeah, so far this is a novel about rascal kids wanting to see a, a ghost. Right. Right. And it's still really fun. <laughs> she does. It's a. It's. It is like. I mean. I mean. This happens every time we read these books. It's like this is the closest I've ever read it, and it's like, there's even more magic when you read this close. It's, I know. I know. That's what's great about literature. The closer you look, the more you get. It's like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The the you know the more you look for, the more you get. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. I love books. Books are good. Books are good. Read more books. Yeah, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, like I said last week, we got. Uh, we got social media now. We got yeah, Instagram baby. and a Twitter. I think Instagram is OK Gatsby Pod. Twitter is uh, Gatsby OK, but you could just look uh, the OK Gatsby, Gatsby Pod. Gatsby. I'm sure you'll find it. Got fun um, memes on there. Yeah, we're posting some memes. Check it out. Uh, comment on the memes <laughs> if you want. I mean, we got a couple of people commenting on the memes. Got to get them to listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we see them. We're real people. We look at your comments. We need them. Uh, and then also we have an email address, uh, okgatsbypod at gmail.com. Yeah, send us an email. We'll read it. Send us email comments on the book, on the podcast, on life. Uh, yeah. And otherwise, yeah, check check all that out. Uh, we, we really want this to be uh, something that you guys feel a part of and, and can comment your thoughts as we go along. Yeah, and baby. Yeah, we want uh, that's what we want. And I'm and thank you so much for listening if you're, if you're listening. And uh I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love you, listener. Um, Kevin, you're all right. Uh, to wrap up, my name is Terrence Hartnett. Um, ha Hartnett on social medias. I am uh, Kevin Lopkovich. Uh, same on, on social media. Uh, this has been the OK Gatsby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Pocket.